You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. So I considered the, the, the as I considered passages on the subject of love, because it's love works... And as I consider passages, I, I kept coming back to the book of 1 John. And if you've read the book of 1 John, then you know um, by my count, um, there's over 40 times uh, he uses the word love or a version of the word love. Uh, John is the, the disciple who Jesus loved. John gave us John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I mean, he is a disciple that the theme of love comes up a lot in his writing, in his letter, even right here. And so I'd like to read just three verses here tonight as we stand together out of respect for God's word. First John chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through 3. And it says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I love that verse and that truth. He says then, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And the verses, these verses come at our theme maybe from a different angle of love works than we've dealt with so far, but I hope that you'll see the connection. See, the idea tonight is really this, that God's love works in us. So our love for God and our love for others should work. It should show itself. But God's love is where it all started. That God's love works in us first and then as God's love works in us, then love works in or out of us with other people. It makes a difference in our works. It makes a difference in our heart to reach others. And I want to see, though, tonight focusing how God's love has worked in us. And uh, then connect it to the theme. Uh, may God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated and we'll get into it. When you love something... You find yourself willing to go to lengths you wouldn't normally go. When you love something, you find yourself willing to go to lengths you wouldn't normally go. Um, how many of you in here are hunters? Okay, We've got a few that are hunters and we're getting into hunting season. And, uh, and one thing that I've noticed when I go hunting is you wake up way before the sun gets up. And if you want to go hunting and you want to go find the spot that you're going to set up and shoot. And by the way, um, right off cliff just south of the river, we were driving in a neighborhood over there the other night. And there was a really nice buck chomping on a, um, on a pumpkin over there. So if any of you think that you could sneak one in in city limits, I mean, I can show you where it was. Okay, so nice big buck. Okay, so if you go hunting though, then you have to get up early you have to give up some sleep. You've got to do some things that you wouldn't normally do just for anything else. But if you love hunting, that's the kind of stuff you've got to do. If you love to fish, which my dad is a big fisherman and, 
and he always dragged me along when I was young and, and I never had the same kind of skill for fishing that my dad had and so usually I would end up exploring while my dad was fishing but I can't tell you how many Saturday mornings my dad woke me up way before the sun and so we could go and throw a worm in the water and I, he would catch things and my little brother would catch things and I wouldn't catch anything, okay? I remember those days. Well, when you love fishing, you find yourself willing to go to lengths. I mean, it's expensive to fish and you've got to buy the right bait and the right equipment and you've got to have, I mean, some of you have a boat and those are the kinds of things you do for something you love. Let's transition to, to the ladies in the room. Uh, you do some things that you love that the men don't love like you love. Like shopping. Um, I mean, Black Friday is coming up. And, and I don't understand this, but I've known people that will camp out all night somewhere in order to get the Black Friday deal. Now it's not even Black Friday anymore. Now they start on Thursday. There's probably Black Friday starting tomorrow, and we're still a long ways from Thanksgiving. But when you love shopping and you love to find the deals, you're willing to go and make some sacrifices because if you love something, you're willing to go to lengths for it that you wouldn't normally go. I, I mean, when I'm just thinking about marriage. And, uh, and Jacob was gone over the weekend, um, and part of his being gone over the weekend was he went and got engagement pictures. I mean, that's so that he can prove there's a girl to the rest of us up here. We haven't met her. Well, many of us haven't met her. So, um, so he went to take pictures. And, and Jacob isn't typically the kind of guy that dresses up and goes into a beautiful garden and takes pictures of himself. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. Not typically. He's not that kind of a guy. But you know, when you love somebody, then you go to great lengths because of the love you have for them. And Brother Jacob, just so you know, that's the first of many of those kinds of things you'll be doing the rest of your life, okay? Be ready. And when you have children, uh, there are, I mean, many parents, we, don't, we wouldn't choose to clean up the messes we've cleaned up, but we have. And we wouldn't choose in the middle of the night to, to go get medicine, but we have. And we wouldn't necessarily choose to throw parties with 25 four-year-olds, but we have. You know, driving them around town like a taxi, what we have. Why? Because when you love someone, you find yourself willing to go to great lengths for them. And we understand that to some degree. But I want you to consider tonight how much God must have loved us to go to the lengths that he went for us. I mean, the lengths that God went with Jesus Christ, his son. And that's what John is looking at here tonight. He says, behold. And the word behold is just to stop and see and understand. It also means to know. And John is saying, just stop and admire God's love. Just stop and consider, take a moment to consider how astounding it is that the creator of the universe loves us like he loves us. And don't lose sight of how amazing it is that a holy, all-powerful God loves, or maybe I should say it this way, a holy, all-powerful God knows me, yet still loves me the way he loves me. What He says, behold, 
what manner. And that phrase, what manner, it, it means it refers to something so different in quality that it's obvious it's not from around here. And, and you've probably, maybe you've been in some places I, where people looked at you like they're not from around here. Uh, I remember one time when I was uh, there in, in Stillwater, as a, I was part of a music, a men's group, and this men's group was full of cowboys. I mean, guys that were very comfortable on a ranch and on a horse. And, and if you've ever, some of you in here have seen or heard the men's group sing, and they're a bunch of, just a bunch of cowboys. And, and, I, and those cowboys, though, had a lot of opportunities because of the style and the look and the way they sang. Um, I have been in Seattle at Pike's Market with those cowboys. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people looking at them like they're not from around here. We went to Montreal, Quebec a couple times, and people looked at us like they're not from around here, really. Especially in Montreal, everyone's speaking French, and these cowboys can barely speak English, you know. They're not from around here. Well, you know, that's the idea. When John says, behold, what manner... The idea is, this is love, it's not from around here. This is love that you don't find everywhere. Only a love, not from around here, would die on a cross in the place of sinners. That's love that's not from around here. I mean, Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 that the love of Christ passeth knowledge. I mean, it's so far beyond what we can understand or comprehend. I mean, just consider what Paul wrote in Romans, and you've heard these verses. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we live in a world that lacks love. And if you doubt that, look at Twitter. If you doubt that, just drive down the street and hear the exchanges between people. Love is not easy to find in our culture, but we have a father whose love is unlike any love that you will find down here. And the love of God is not of this world. It's out of this world. It's not from around here. And we can't even wrap our minds around it. You know, the young people might say it's next level love. It's not normal love. It's not, it's not something you've ever seen before. You've probably experienced something next level before. Something that you, just hardly, you can hardly describe. Uh, I, I mean, last night my wife made chocolate chip cookies. And that's the most verbal you've been all night long. <laughs> like say amen or something. Come on. She made chocolate chip cookies. And, and she makes really good chocolate chip cookies. And I don't know. I, I think they're, they're probably the best in the room. I mean, I would say. And if I said anything different, you'd be like, you're not wise. Okay? So I have to say that. She makes good chocolate chip cookies. Let's say. And I, I've, I've not made chocolate chip cookies in a long time. But let's say that I tried my hand at making chocolate chip cookies, and they were really good. I mean, they, they turned out really good. So I take a, a tray of them, and I go downtown, and I start walking around letting people sample these chocolate chip cookies. Okay? That's how proud I am of them. And so one of the places I go is I go, and I open the door to this place downtown called C.H. Patisserie. How many of you have heard of, of C.H. Patisserie downtown? Okay, a few of you. 
C.H. Patisserie is run by this chef, this baker, that, that won one of the TV, I don't even know what TV show it was, like the dessert edition of a TV show on TV. He won it. Like that, He has a bakery downtown. By the way, I, my brother sent me a link a few weeks ago and somebody had ranked their top French bakeries. And, and I thought this was pretty funny. Top French bakeries in the United States and C.H. Patisserie was on the list, okay? So you walk in and you look at the desserts and they've got the little macaroons and, and, and his desserts look like artwork, okay? It's, it's like nothing you've probably seen. So, but I go in with my chocolate chip cookies and, I, and, I, and I'm asking people in C.H. Patisserie, hey, why don't you compare my cookies to what this guy is making? And you know, I wouldn't last long in C.H. Patisserie because what I'm doing is, maybe it's good, maybe you don't think it is, maybe I do, but it's nothing like the guy down at C.H. Patisserie. And by the way, you should go try it because it's pretty amazing stuff. Now, because mine may be just normal, but his is next level. There's really no comparison. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about God's love. Behold what manner that's what, that's what John's talking about. He's saying this is not from around here. This is not like anything that you've seen before. This is next level. And, and God's love is next level compared to what we've experienced or what we have produced. See, we love if someone deserves it. We love if someone, um, if someone has loved us first. But God was under no obligation to love us, and yet he loved us without limits. That's next level love. And I just want to point out what God's love has made available, what next level love has done for us. And, and what I see here is, is that it makes us part of God's family. God's love, it's next level love, but it makes us part of God's family. He says, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I mean, can you imagine, can you believe that, that that kind of a God would call me his son? You know, every once in a while while I'm praying, I stop. I mean, the first word I typically say is father. And there are some times where I can't get past the first word. When's the last time that you stopped to think about the fact that you get to call him Father. That blows my mind. I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. He's the all-powerful God who reigns on high. And he, yet, he, has, he has allowed me to have a relationship with him that I get to call him Father. He's adopted me. And some of you in this room, you've either been adopted or you've adopted somebody. That's serious love. I'm thankful for those that make the choice to love like that. But God found us at our lowest point and he loved us enough to bring us into the family. We used to be the objects of God's wrath. Ephesians 2 says that we were by nature the children of wrath. God is so holy that he must judge sin. And being in sin meant that we had a target on our back of God's wrath. We deserve judgment. But instead of choosing to pour his wrath out on us, he sent his son to die on the cross and he poured his wrath out on his own son instead. That's the next level love that God has for you and I. I mean, the ones who could never have deserved it, 
He calls sons and his own son, he poured his wrath out on him. What manner of love? I mean, don't lose sight of the fact that you're part of God's family. I mean, the Bible says we're at enmity with God, yet now we're family. The Bible says we we're short of his glory, yet he has brought us near. The wages of sin is death, but we have eternal life. We were children of wrath, now we're the children of grace. God didn't just let, and God didn't just let us in by the skin of our teeth. He didn't just make us servants. He made us family. I mean, what, there's one way to say it. You could say that God's love works by making us family. It's incredible. Next level love makes us family. It also makes us different than the world. He says in verse 1, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knoweth him not. See, when Christ came, the world hated him. This, one, this one's not as fun as the first one. You know, I, get, I, I say God adopted us and he made us family and he brought us into the family. And we say amen and even those of us who don't say amen out loud, we're saying it inside, we're happy. And then I say, okay, God's love also makes us different than the world. And it, it, it puts within us um, this new nature. See, when Christ came, the world hated him. He came preaching things that the righteous, uh, the uh, religious establishment didn't like, and they rejected him. And they didn't like him in large part because not only was his love next level, his righteousness was next level. You read the book of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, yeah, this is the righteousness you've been used to, but I'm going to bring a new level of righteousness. Uh, not, in, not necessarily in quantity, but in quality. He was not content to let them stay where they were. The Pharisees, they had lots of righteousness, but it was self-righteousness. Jesus Christ came preaching a different kind of righteousness. And you know, holiness has never been very popular. If we sincerely, though, if we sincerely follow Christ, the world won't embrace us. Read John 15 and, and talk about how, and Jesus says, if the world hate you, it hated me first. I mean, if you're of, of the world, the world would love his own. The world would love you. But because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. The servant's not greater than the master. He said, if they persecuted me, they, they, they'll persecute you also. And, and we ought to consider that. Uh, listen, the world, if we are holy, if we are righteous, if we are the kind of disciples that God calls us to be, we shouldn't feel real comfortable fitting in with the world. Uh, the Bible says they're going to hate you. Jesus says they're going to hate you. And if we live according to his righteousness, they're not going to embrace us. John, John says, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. And when, when you consider the kind of love that God had for you, it doesn't really make you, it shouldn't make sense for you to want to be like the world. Because you've experienced the love of the Father and it's the opposite of the world. And yet we've got a lot of Christians and there's a, there's a conflict. And they're fighting it. They're, they want to be like the world. But if we're like God, the world, you won't find a place that fits in the world. And see, what you love, you're going to emulate. So based on what you emulate, do you, do you, who do you love? The Bible says in 1 John, just this, this earlier in 1 John 2, I love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot love both. I mean, no, you cannot serve 
God and mammon, you, no man can serve two masters in the same way. You can't love, you can't have as your first priority the world and, and God at the same time. And we try it, but we can't do it. We're not meant to do it. No, Peter says about Jesus that he's a stone of stumbling, that he's a rock of offense. And the world can't stand Christ's message. They don't want to hear it. I mean, like I was saying Sunday uh, about, about the, uh, this, this transgender movement that we're having a protest against Matt Walsh and University of Wisconsin. And, and, and they were, there was a person, a young man, a college student, and he was just reading the scriptures, reading the scriptures. Somebody ripped the Bible, tore the Bible pages out of his hand and started eating the pages of the Bible out of spite and hatred. And I can't get those images out of my mind because of the hatred and the spite for, for the word of God and for the people of God. But, you know, I, I'm, maybe we should, be, we should be less surprised about that. If God's people were as holy as we ought to be, maybe that stuff might, should be happening more. But we're finding ourselves trying to fit in and trying to love the world and be like the world. But even right here, the love of God has transformed us. We shouldn't be comfortable. And, you know, it, there, there should be more people asking, now, what country are you from? Amen. Who, uh, where are you from? Maybe your personality is one that causes people to say, what planet are you from? I don't know. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how our lives should cause people to scratch their heads and say, I mean, there's something really different. I'm uncomfortable. Amen. It's so different that it's not comfortable. Here's another way to say it, though. See, God's love has created us, and he's changed us into strangers and pilgrims. And, and, and love works by making us righteous. And that sounds really good until you realize it's going to put you at odds with the world. The world should look at us and say they're not from around here. God's love should make that much difference in us. And, and we need to consider that. His love changes us. And it makes us family. And it makes us different than the world. Uh, but also it will, one day it will make us sinless. And I like this one. This is more fun than the last one too. See right now we're, we're children of God. We're in the family. But the full image of God in us is hidden. See, John says, it does not yet appear. Look at verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're, yes, we're, we're the sons, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I mean, I, I, love, I would love to spend lots of time on this, on this verse, but I mean, just as a summary, we were created in God's image uh, meant to bear God's likeness, according to Genesis 1.27. But in Genesis 3, sin was introduced, and Adam and Eve sinned. And then Adam then has passed that sin nature on to every one of us since. And that broken nature is like a veil that mars or hides the image, the full image of God in us. It hides what we were originally intended to display completely... Now, at salvation, we're made alive spiritually, and our purpose is to become like Jesus Christ, but our broken nature still exists, and that conflict 
still exists and it will continue to hinder our purpose to be like Jesus Christ in a perfect way until this event that John talks about right here. And when Christ appears, he says, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. And John is saying in that instant that we see Jesus will become like Jesus. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait till that moment. The moment that he appears, we will finally shed this shell that veils our ability to perfectly reflect Jesus Christ. And we will finally be transformed in that instant and be restored back into the image of God that he originally created us to be. John says we know that that's going to happen. And this transformation is certain. It will happen. And I'm telling you, there are some days, and maybe it's the older I get, but there are some days where I just can't wait to be like Jesus Christ. You know, that's our hope. Do you ever grow tired of sin? I hope, in, at least in your mind, you said yes. Do you ever go weary of fighting your flesh? Do you feel like the weight of knowing where you ought to be and compared to where you are? Do you ever feel like that burden is, man, I'm just discouraged by that? Yeah. Well, here's our hope. Someday, you may, I mean, you're never going to be like him while you have this flesh and you have this broken nature, but someday we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we won't have to sin anymore. We won't have to fight it. Yeah. We won't have to struggle with our thought lives. You know, the thoughts that we have that, that hurt us or that we focus on that we shouldn't. We won't, we won't have to fight that addiction that we have anymore. You know, we, our flesh and our broken nature will be done away with. And if you know yourself, then you can't help but say, behold, what manner of love makes that possible? Because I know me. And I know the sin nature that I have and... I know what I'm capable of, and yet God's love is greater than that. And love, was gonna, one day it's going to work to make us sinless. I, I used this before, but a missionary was helping a native teacher translate 1 John into the language of the people that he was ministering to. And when the native came up, came to these words in 1 John, we shall be like him. The scribe, this native scribe, laid down his, his pen and and he said, no, I cannot write these words. It's too much. Let us write, we shall kiss his feet. But the missionary said, it's not too much for the love of God. His love is so great that it can take the worst among us and transform us from broken sinners into perfect reflections of Jesus. That's love worth beholding. Next level love does next level things for us. It's made us his children, we're in his family. It's made us righteous. And, it's, and it one day will make us sinless. And, and I don't deserve any of those things at all. And you know, we could stop right there and say, well, that's enough to just stop and be thankful for. But I, but I want to take it a step further and apply this, you know, saying, what, well, what difference does this make? I mean, I know it's already made a difference, right? I'm part of God's family, and I've been, I've been given a new nature, and someday I will be sinless. That's a difference. I mean, God's made a difference already. But, but I want you to consider this. 
God didn't love us on a bare minimum, minimum level. Uh, see, if he just barely loved us enough to save us from hell, would you be thankful for that? Absolutely, I would. I mean, if all he ever did was love me enough to say, okay, you're barely plucked from the flames of hell and you can spend eternity in heaven with me, but you're going to be a servant sitting in the corner for all of eternity. I would still say, I'll take it. Because what I could do on my own is far less than that. I couldn't even get there. But, but understand, God didn't love us on that, on that low of a level. He didn't love us as the bare minimum. He didn't just get a passing grade when it comes to love. No, he loved us with next level love. And he loved us so much that he didn't call us servants. He calls us family. He loved us so much that he didn't just save us from the consequences of sin. He loved us enough to make us righteous. We can literally, you can literally have victory over sin. You can have, you can have, uh, you're a conqueror over sin, the Bible says. You can be holy like the one who, who created us. So he didn't give us a minimal dose of love. He loved us so much that he didn't just promise that we could live in heaven forever. He promised that we could live in heaven forever just like Jesus, be just like Jesus Christ. I mean, perfect reflections. That's next level love. But what difference does it literally make though? Knowing God didn't just give me a minimal amount of love. He gave me a lot of love. Well, let me illustrate it this way. <clears throat> this is a jar of M&M's. And now you're awake. And I talk about food, you're awake. And I talk about, you know, come on. So M&M's. So let's suppose then that I, um, I will use one of these guys. Timmy. So let's, yeah, come on up here. Okay, so Timmy, let's say then that I have this jar of M&M's. And I go to Timmy and I say, okay, I want you to pick out one M&M. Okay, so now he's got one M&M. What do you suppose that my intentions for him, if I give him one M&M, what do you suppose that I mean for him to do with that M&M? Eat it, right, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's okay, You're, you got it. So that's my intention. If I give him one M&M, I clearly just want him to eat it. But let's suppose then, this is just an illustration, you're not keeping this. Let's suppose then that I give him the whole jar of M&M's. What would you then assume my intentions are for him to do with the jar of M&M's? Share. Is that what you were going to say or were you going to say eat it? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> little bit of both. I figured. That worked out perfectly. If I give him one M&M, there's really just enough for him. And the intention is that he's going to eat the M&M. But if I give him a whole jar of M&M's and he eats all of those, then I'll probably get on to him for being selfish. Because I didn't give... You can have the one M&M, by the way. No, take that. That's fine. I'll get it from you later. There better be some left. No, the fact that I gave him the whole jar means I don't mean for him to stop at eating one and move going along his way. I gave him a whole jar because I gave him not just the minimum, I gave him enough to share. And the fact that God loves us with next level love, 
means he never intended for us to take one little piece of it and take it for ourselves and do with it what works best for us. No, he gave us all of the love we could ever hope to have, more than we could ever use, more than we could ever even imagine. It's behold what manner of love we've been given. And it means that God didn't just give us a little bit to use for ourselves. He gave us a lot of it to use for everybody we meet. In Romans 5, he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And that word shed abroad means to bestow or give abundantly. And what can I, I mean, yes, I needed all of God's love I can get. But the fact that God has shed abroad or given me this abundant amount of love in my heart means that he intends for me to turn around and take what I've been given and, and give it to as many people as I possibly can. And you know what's amazing about what, behold what manner of love is if you pour out all the love that you got in your jar, you'll probably wake up the next morning and it'll be full again. It never runs out. There's no limit to the love of God. And what I'm afraid of though, folks, is that God has poured abundantly, shed abroad love in our lives. He's given us all, I'll take, give me the M&Ms. You're looking at them weird. Okay, I'll take them. <laughs> He's given us a whole jar of M&Ms. But some of us, when it comes to what we've taken, we take one and we've popped it in our mouth and then we shut the jar and we put it on the shelf. And we're experiencing one 300th, I don't know how many M&Ms are in here. Let's say there's 300 in here. We've experienced one 300th of the love. Now, one 300th of the love of God is enough for probably all of us. But the fact that he keeps giving love and he keeps showing love and he gave it abundantly and it's what manner of love means that he has an intention for you to take the love he's given you and go love some other people with it. I think sometimes we get a little bit selfish with the love we've been given, and we're kind of we 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 kind of become um, what I might would call tonight one M and M Christians. We have a whole jar available, and that jar is proof that God wants us to do something with it besides just use it for ourselves. But we've got a lot of one M and M Christians out there who are just kind of focused on self and enjoying their life. And they're not thinking about the fact that God gave us a lot of resources to use for other people. In what ways should God's love work in us then? Well, let's just apply the three things we've talked about tonight. God's love made us family. And if I'm going to turn around with the love that God shed abroad in my heart and I'm going to make a difference in somebody else, then I probably ought to be about telling other people they can be part of God's family too. If he did that for me, then, and he's given me a whole jar of love, then I ought to take what I've been given and give as much as I can to other people. If, if God's love, his next level love, has made me righteous, given me the capacity to be different than the world, then you know what I ought to do? I ought to, as much as I can, be as holy as possible. And I ought to say, you know, if, this is, if God's love enables me to, to be righteous, to have righteousness that other people don't have, then I'm going to be holy and I'm going to trust that, in, that God's love working in my holiness in my life 
is going to help me be a witness. It's going to help me be a testimony. It's going to help me with, as I raise my children for them to see this. It's going to help us as a church. So if God's love was next level enough to do that for me, then I need to turn around and I need to make that a priority in my life. If God's love was so next level that it can make me, take me from what a broken sinner to a sinless person someday, then the Bible says in verse 3, he that hath that hope purifieth himself. And if God is going to go to the lengths to make me sinless, then I ought to live a life before him that's absolutely pure as much as I can. I need to be anticipating that day. See, this is what God's love does in us, but it doesn't stop in us. It needs to come through us. It needs to be revealed in the way that we live because love will produce works. Next level love deserves, in the way I say, I see it today, next level love deserves next level disciples. I don't want to be a one M&M kind of guy. It's easy to be status quo. It's easy to get by with the minimum. That's what most people do. Most people are getting by uh, with just the minimum they can. But what manner of love is that? When we have what manner of love that is beyond our comprehension, God didn't love us with the status quo. So why would I in turn then repay him with the status quo Christianity? Why would I give him the minimum when he gave me everything? Let's give him everything and see what a next level God can do with a group of next level disciples. Wouldn't it be a shame if we had a whole jar of M&M's and all we ever did was eat one? How much more of a shame for God's people to have behold what manner of love only to share a tiny fraction of it. You know, we talked about at the beginning, you go great to great lengths for somebody that you love. Well, God went to great lengths for you there should be nobody you love more than him. And there should be no limits to the kinds of things you do for a God who saved your soul from hell. Let's just evaluate tonight. God's love works in us. But how are we returning the love God's loved us with? How does that look? How, what's that producing in our life? What's that producing in the way we tell people they can be part of God's family? What's it producing in our righteousness, our personal holiness? And what's it producing in the way we anticipate seeing him and being like Jesus Christ someday? Because next level, next level love deserves next level disciples. I don't want to be a one M&M kind of guy. I don't think you do either. So let's let God's love work in us and show through us with the way that we return and how we live for him. Let's stand. Every head bowed. God's love is working in us. It should be evident in our works for him, in our works toward others, in our righteousness, in our purity. And I hope then that you can apply this as the Holy Spirit directs you tonight. Don't be a one M&M kind of person. God's given you far more resources than that. Let's make sure that we return what God has done for us in a way that pleases him. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.